Hey all you nostalgic bookworms. Welcome to 9021 Here We Go, the podcast that takes a look at each episode of Beverly Hills 90210 from Fox to the CW and sometimes more than sometimes episodes. book form. <laughs> I'm Kendra Mickles and I'm seeing these episodes for the first time. I'm Nick Gunning and I've seen them all. You can find more about this show and others like it at our network's website, radiomeanwhile.com. Other shows on the network include Previously on X-Men, where we look back on X-Men comics, movies, shows, characters, and more. Radio 64, featuring video game music remixes hosted by Dusk vs. Tweak. Dusk. <laughs> three Nice Things, where we force ourselves to say three nice things about a movie with a bad and often earned <laughs> reputation. And finally, Is It Classic, Does It Rock, where we pick a band or artist and go through their discography album by album, track by track. Share your thoughts on this and upcoming episodes by following us on Twitter at HereWeGoPod, and please rate, subscribe, and share the show uh, on Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts this week we're discussing the book fantasies by kt smith an original novel based on the television show beverly hills 90210 oh is that what it's based yeah on? yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah. Yep. gotcha all right shall we get into the west beverly blaze let's do it i'm an investigative reporter for the west beverly newspaper this book was published in 1992 by harper paperbacks and it takes place just after season two um the episode camping trip which we just covered Mm -hmm. um and just before school resumes all right well this novel was written by the enigmatic kt smith and i say enigmatic because (laughs) i have scoured the internet I've used my librarian skills to look on, like, WorldCat to try to find out who this author if is. If the librarians don't know, who does I don't know. know who this is. I can't... I mean, you look... It's such a it's such a vague name that yeah. you look it up, and there's other things that kind of link to it, but I can't tell if it's really the same author or not. I don't know if it's man or a woman. I don't, I don't know. Hmm. So I'm hmm. sorry that we don't have K.T. Smith with us here today, but yeah. he or she may or may not exist in real life. But <laughs> anyway... This is the only original novel released in the U.S. Now, as listeners of this podcast know, Mr. Mel Gilden wrote novelizations uh, for episodes that span the first four seasons. And this book was sort of put out with those as if it's this is kind of like book three or four of that series. So it's kind of designed to fit in there. So technically it's part of that series, but all the others are novelizations and written by our friend Mel Gilden. So if you didn't listen to our interview with Mel Gilden, go back a few episodes and listen because we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, The only other original novel that's out there is one called French Rivals. And this, along with an alternate novelization of the pilot, which is called Beginnings, uh, were published in the UK, written by uh, a man named Lawrence Crown, Hmm. who may or may not exist. I don't know. It's hard to find. I don't know. So this is the only, the one we're covering today, Fantasy, is the only U.S. uh, original novel. And then we just have French Rivals that we'll probably cover in between seasons down the road a little bit. So, um... Well, let's dig into it. I, I got to tell you, I'm excited about this episode. I am too. Are you really? Okay. Yes, I am. All right. All right. Here's the synopsis on the on the back cover of this book that Nick picked up at a thrift store years ago. Years, years ago? ago. Oh, I thought you recently. No, got like it. many many years ago, I saw this at a thrift store and was like, oh, I got to grab that. Yeah. And then I realized it's the only original novel, and it's actually kind of hard to find yeah. out there. You know, so good find. Yeah, good you're find. lucky. You're lucky. All right. As vacation draws to an end, the gang of West Beverly High get together around a campfire for a final farewell well to their lazy days at the beach when brandon complains about spending his vacation as a cabana boy a unique game of what if begins the walsh twins and their hip friends (laughs) bear all to each other and the answers they give are both funny and surprising yet somehow so right (laughs) 
<laughs> Fantasies tells the hilarious and often touching dreams of the entire gang from the coolest zip code around. That's right. Uh, and I just a little disclaimer. I know how accurate yeah, these predictions that's true. are. And it's really hard for me not to just say <laughs> so when this was, that was right. When this was written, how far into the show? It was written in 92, so just as the episodes were. Okay, yeah. so they didn't even They know. had no idea. This is just That's a shot. Funny. It's just a shot in the dark. That's funny. It's just a guess based on where the characters are. Huh. So it's interesting because you find some characters doing things that um, are not really a part of the character in the long range of the series, but mm-hmm. are really prominent in the early days. Yeah. I got to tell you, a couple of them are, are very good <laughs> or have really clear parallels to what actually happens. Wow. Others are so stupid. K.T. Smith. I know. Knows what um, he, he or she is talking about. I'm just, I'll spoil one for you. Dylan's does not come true. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that. Maybe K.T. Smith is um, from the future. Maybe. And like came That's back true. in time. Mm-hmm. Just a, there's a theory. It's possible. It's a theory. Time I like how your notebook is being held together. Oh my gosh. I know. So I have this like Van Gogh notebook that I got, I think at the library book sale and it's completely fallen apart, but I've grown <laughs> attached to it. And so I just keep like taping the pages and I feel like literally every page is taped. So yeah. All right. They didn't need to know that. This I, is a, I just think <laughs> it's, an audio I think medium. it's funny enough to share. Thank you. So. Okay. <laughs> so we start in the gangs just at the beach. Like summer's just about to start. I think no, it's summer's about to summer's end. just about to end. It's kind of like in camping trip where they they kind of start to have this conversation and yeah. then they they don't do it. So mm-hmm. I think that's probably where the germ of the idea came from. But the the gangs on the beach are sort of lamenting that school's going to start again. Um, Brandon's kind of like, oh, you at least you guys had fun. I had to work all summer, you know, because he's been at the beach club. David sort of puts the question out there, like, you know, what do you think? You think we're all still going to be friends in 10 years? What do you think we're all going to be doing? And Andrea basically jumps right on this. And it's yeah. like, here is exactly how this is going to go. Yeah. She, like, assigns everybody here a are number. Here the rules. Yeah, she gives the rules. They're good to go. And then we dive right in. Uh, as you as you so, so aptly pointed out last week, it's just like the Canterbury Tales. Yeah. Because <laughs> each chapter exactly. focuses on a character. <laughs> yes. So we start with Brandon. Uh, right off the bat, we learn that he has a degree from Columbia. He's on an assignment from the Rome office. Uh, his his chief, Paul Kale, has sent him out there. So he's in Croatia, uh, which is, that's what it says, Croatia. Croatia. That's what it says. Okay. Not Croatia. It doesn't say Croatia. <laughs> Croatia. It says Croatia. It says it multiple times. Yes. Yeah, so, multiple times. Okay. There were a couple typos in this book. I don't yeah. know if you noticed that, but I don't yeah. think that one was a typo. Yeah. yeah. So Brandon's got kind of a sort of an adversarial relationship with his boss. Mm. They're sort of like, I think that, I think the boss, Paul, I think is his name. Yeah. Paul Kale sort of sees him as like this hot shot. Like you got to follow the rules and pay your dues. And Brandon's like, Hey man, I'm Brandon punch. <laughs> so, uh, your typical they, Brandon. Yeah. So they don't get along so great. Um, but basically he, he says, well, you, you've got this assignment. We're dropping you into a war zone. Yeah. Pretty much. So, Brandon and his pilot, Skeeter Brown. Yes. That is <laughs> one the most pilot name Skeeter I've ever Brown heard. Is his name. So Skeeter Brown drops him basically in an active war zone and says, I'll be back in uh, 48 hours. With his cameraman. With his cameraman. Yep, Dave. Uh, and so here, here is Brandon. And who should he run into but an old flame, Marissa Vincente. So <laughs> Marissa. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so, you know, they, they have a little, you kind of learn that they had a bit of a relationship like after college and then it broke off and their careers got big and all that. So Brandon starts to give his report like live 
and a huge explosion happens yes. in the background. Yeah. So it makes for great television. Yes. So suddenly Brandon's just sort of in in the in the thick of this. His little newscast goes viral and suddenly Brandon's kind of the face of of what's going the on. The superstar. The superstar. As they call him. Yeah, and so this this is kind of a, another boost to his career. Brandon Brandon and Marissa after the explosion, are sort of talking about it. Or, or do they kiss before? They kiss everyone. Yes. Is it before the explosion or after? No, it's after. Okay, it's yeah. after. So like in the wake of that, we get a little kiss a little between kissy. the two of them. Yep. And the, I mean, things go crazy with this explosion. I mean, it really like, Marissa's trapped under rubble. Yes. Brandon's like So there's another explosion. Yeah, it's the second explosion. Yes. So yeah. they're like kissing. Yeah. And then an explosion yes. hits their building. Yeah. So, so she's under rubble. He he rescues her. You know, they find Dave. Everybody's okay. And then Brandon and Marissa go to like a farm. Remember, <laughs> they go to like a pond yeah, nearby. Yeah, and, and, and did like take a bath. Yeah. basically in a pond. It was a weird. It was a weird move after yeah. you've you know almost died yeah. in rubble. Yeah, but... it is. It is. And so like you 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 get this sense that that they've had this like. They had this love affair, things went differently, and now they're like back together in this place. And Brandon's like, "I love you." Yeah. Like he just outright says yeah. that he loves Marissa, mm-hmm. wants to be with her, um, and and that's that's where it's at now. As things as things in the area start to settle down, it kind of becomes like a non-story. Yeah. Right. I mean, the explosions have happened, and now like the fighting and everything is moving on. So Creatia, yeah, where he is now, is is not newsworthy. Right. So, so basically, now that Brandon has become the superstar because of his like viral post, um, he he is shipping out. Right? Am I remembering this right? Yes. His uh, kale assigns yeah. him to a new story in Beirut. In Beirut. Yeah. Yes. And Marissa has to stay behind, and she's not happy. She is so upset. She's very upset. I'm like, this is just, his job. I know. I know. Because well, he's just like recommitted to her, and then he gets a. I understand. Uh, yeah. He's not going to be in Beirut forever. I know. I know. Look, Nor Mel- is she going to be in Croatia forever. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Mel- I feel like she could have been more understanding. I think she could have too. But that's, this is, this is a, I mean, we'll talk about this in the wrap at the end, but this is one of the problems with this book. Mm-hmm. They have to do so much in such a small space yes. that you really have to give, you have to give the, the enigmatic KT Smith yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a, a little bit of a pass because you yeah. know that like, okay, you've got five pages to tell a Brandon story basically. Yeah. Um, and so that's where it's at. But yeah, this whole thing with Brandon and Marissa sort of shows a pattern that like things go, he, he has kind of a career boost and he's like, all right, I'm out of here. Yeah. It's a very Will Riker, Deanna Troy vibe. <laughs> if, if you know what I, Mel Gildan would know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. But so he's going and they, they basically, they promise to meet up again after this. Uh, also very Will Riker, Deanna Troy yeah, yeah. vibe. <laughs> uh, they promise to meet up after this. Um, and we get another... Bogart impression back on the beach. Did you notice that? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. They promised to meet up, and then Brandon's ends pretty abruptly. Yeah. Don't you think? Uh, I thought it was a good place for okay. it to end. I, re- I didn't see... I really didn't know how it was going to be. I didn't know how quickly they were going to go when I started this book. So I was kind of into Brandon's. I like, was as well. I would have read that whole book about Brandon in the future. Yes. Okay. All right. So we agree on that I was one. enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. So we, it's kind of funny that like in Brandon's story, he's sort of not a great guy. You know what I mean? Like he's just, yeah. I don't know if you tell, if you're going to tell a story about how you're going to be in 10 years, I don't know if you're going to be like, and I'm going to prioritize my career over all relationships, <laughs> but you know, kudos to Brandon. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so Kelly, back at the beach, we kind of break from that, and everybody's kind of like, whoa, Brandon. Kelly teases him a little bit. Um, and then Brandon does a Bogart impression. So about, he does the beginning of A Beautiful Friendship. Oh, yeah. okay. Because David just did want to play it again, David. So I guess yes. these teens they love their Humphrey big Bogart. Bogart fans. I guess they are. All right, shall we move into Brenda? Yes, let's do it. The Brenda chapter. The Brenda chapter. She's, of course, a famous actress. Yes. Known for her accents. <laughs> All right, Brenda. Brenda's in New York City, and she's on the way to the the Sansa Theater to audition for a, a show called Timeless Moments. And it seems like she and Dylan are not together, is the vibe you get in the beginning of this. Yes. Which is more clear than it is in the real timeline. Yes. So, I don't know. Um, so she's going to the audition, and then this one does a jump. Suddenly we're yes. at we're at curtain call for this show. So yeah. she got the, I like it did that a lot throughout yeah. the book and I liked that. Brandon's didn't do it at all. No, it didn't. <laughs> it was just kind but of, in other stories it does. Yeah. And I liked that we didn't have to see like every second. Yeah, I didn't need to like read Brenda yeah. auditioning. Yeah, I didn't need exactly. That. So she gets the part in timeless moments and we cut to the curtain call and who should be there but Terry Simpson, a casting director from Los Angeles. So That's lucky. Yeah. So he is very taken with Brenda in this performance and wants to come back and see her. She doesn't know that it's someone important, so she kind of blows him off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And finally, he gets back there and um, says that he wants Brenda to read for his new movie, Too Many Choices. I hate that title. Too Many Choices. I hate it. He thinks that she's perfect for the female lead, which is quite the jump, yes. I think. Yes. Um. She does not play it cool. No. Not at all. No. He's like, I want you to come audition. She's like, oh my God. She's like, <laughs> I'll Brenda, do it. please. Uh, so so she's she's gonna go she's gonna go audition. He says specifically, and I loved this, that she has an unusual quality. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And yes, and to that I say, agree. <laughs> I agree with you, Terry Simpson. Was it that her British accent sounded like yeah. a Jamaican accent? Yeah. Because probably. So <laughs> So he's got an office in New York. She's auditioning tomorrow. Yeah. Another time jump. Yes. All right. So we jump to, she just, she got the part. Yes. She's flying to Los Angeles. And who does she call but old Jim and Cindy Walsh? Yes. Uh, they're very excited. Shout out. They're very proud. She gets off the plane and is immediately met by paparazzi. Yes. Which seems very quick. Yeah. No. And I really don't think it would be that way. No, I don't think. I mean, I guess if this movie. I was mean, I'm like, not a paparazzi, so right. I don't know. How, I mean, if how this quickly you if find this these movie had out. like a really like a, a big name director attached to it, or if there was some reason why there was a lot of attention on this movie, yeah. but well, it's her fantasy. You're right. It's In her, her you're fantasy. Right. She's you're being right. mobbed That's by the paparazzi. True. That's true. She's met quickly by Sheila Sayers, who's a publicity director for Talon Pictures, who's producing Brenda's new movie. Talon. Too many choices. (laughs) There's too many choices. Uh, And Brenda gets there and she sees the palm trees and she sees the sun. She's excited to be back in California. She's reminiscing about shopping all day with Kelly and Donna. And that's fun. And then who do we see, Kendra? Who does she run into? It's Dylan. Dylan McKay. Of course. Okay. Uh, and we learned that Dylan and Brenda had decided to see other people uh, be just because of their distance, uh, the distance and yeah. all that. Um, Brenda hasn't. No. Brenda hasn't seen other people. Not sure if Dylan has. Um, he says he's on his way to Frisco to see a client because yeah. he's very hip and he doesn't have time to say San Francisco. He needs to say Frisco. Oh, I thought he meant Frisco, Texas. Oh, you think that's what he means? Maybe. Oh, I, got I mean, because Frisco is... A place. Oh, okay. Frisco, I, Texas. Okay, well then maybe he's going to Frisco, <laughs> Texas. I, who knows? That's what I thought. But I don't know. Maybe he is trying to be Well, it, well you know what? It was in quotations. 
That's uh, why. I, that's why I thought okay. it was a nickname. Okay, okay. then you're probably right. Um, so so Brenda and Sheila are there, and Sheila likes what she sees in Dylan. Yes. And Dylan offers to escort Brenda to keep the paparazzi away, and Sheila's like, "Got it." Yeah. You so do she's that. out. She's out. Um, Dylan cancels with his client in Cisco. Frisco. Cisco Frisco. Frisco. Sorry. <laughs> Canceled with his client. He has his secretary tie up the loose ends because Dylan yeah. is very important with yes. his tie. Very. Did uh, we ever find out what he does? I don't think so. Mm. I, maybe maybe it's in my notes here, but I really don't remember them because I was like, is he a lawyer? I is he? Okay. couldn't tell what he right. was. Me neither. We learned that Dylan hasn't dated either. Yeah. Just, just didn't date. No. Nope. So they're both free. Uh, we're 10 years post high school, by the way. Yes. So that's, yeah, all that's, these stories that's, are yeah, 10 that's years. Yeah, that's what we're dealing with here. So we're 10 years post high school. Um, Dylan Dylan takes her to his house. They've got some time to kill, so he takes her to his fancy house, where they meet his his chocolate lab, Hemingway. I loved that name. Did you? As soon as I read that, I was like, that is such a good dog <laughs> name. I love it. Um, and Dylan gets mushy right away. Yeah. He's like, hey, Bren. <laughs> You know, imagine the forehead wrinkles ten years later. But uh, he gets he gets real mushy and just proposes. Yeah. Now that Brenda's going to be in California and it's going to be easier for them to be together, he proposes. Lo and behold, Brenda says yes. Yes, she does. And the curtain comes down. Yes. I All liked right. this story. Did you like it? I did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because Dylan's in it, but that's true. That's I mean, true. I don't know that I believe that Brenda is going A to have an actress. acting career. Okay. But. Uh, yep. All right. Um, like Dylan Dylan was also name dropped in Brandon's. Yes. Brandon, Brandon says something like, I can't even remember what it was. Something about Dylan's advice about keeping women happy. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah, remember yeah. what it was. Yeah. But so Dylan's, Dylan's got the most plays so far. Back at the beach, uh, Steve makes fun of Dylan, basically. And Brenda pours a cold drink on him. <laughs> she does. <laughs> Several so, of these stories, I'm like, even if I was playing this game, yeah. I wouldn't get. I wouldn't say no. to my friends. I know many of the things that they. Yeah. Say. I agree. I like agree. I wouldn't say to my boyfriend, and then you proposed to me. Yeah. In so, ten years after yeah. we'd been broken up for many years, it's, yeah. it's weird. So anyway, Andrea anxious to get things moving, and Andrea's a little perturbed with this she whole is. book. We should mention. Yes, Andrea. I think Andrea and Brandon are having some awkwardness. Yeah, I think she heard Brandon's story and was a little. I don't know, upset mm, by it. Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe Marissa is the lost love, yes. not not someone well, named Marissa oh, Andrea. Marissa could be Andrea. She could be. He doesn't know a Marissa. That's true. That's so. true. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, Andrea's like, all right, Dylan, you have to go. Because they're basically going in the order they're sitting. Dylan yeah. does not want to do this. No. But he does. He does. So. Because friendship. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so part three, Dylan McKay. <laughs> Uh, Dylan wakes up in a Tennessee hotel room. He's in the Testron circuit for stunt driving. Yeah. Does he drive a motorcycle I at all no, ever I don't, so far? I don't think we've seen him on a motorcycle. Has we he learned talked about once, a motorcycle? I don't think so. Okay. He has his Porsche. Yeah. That's why I thought, because you go a little bit before you feel like, figure, out, figure out he's a stunt driver. Yeah. So I thought he must be a, a race, like a race car driver, yeah. which makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. You know, he likes cars and being reckless, so why not? <laughs> um... Jack Davis is his stunt coordinator. Uh, he's working with Dylan on um, Dylan's new new stunt is to jump twenty cars. Yes. Oh, on his motorcycle. Yes. All right. Uh, he I wonder pick- what the record is I don't for know. car jumping. I'm gonna look it up. While I you're think talking. you should. All right, Dylan. Dylan wants to call Brenda, so he dials her right up. Um, and she's not thrilled with his life as a motorcycle daredevil. No. Surprisingly. <laughs> 
but but that's the way it goes. So he calls Brenda, uh, but we don't actually hear the conversation yet. It, it we jump forward to Dylan sort of mid jump, and surprise, surprise, he nails the twenty card jump and is immediately swarmed by lovely female fans. Yes, afterwards. of course. Mm-hmm. Um, after the stunt. He is approached by none other than Mr. Sam Grayson, a legendary stock car racer. Sam Grayson has seen something in young Dylan McKay, (laughs) and he offers Dylan the chance to do the Snake River Jump, which is a stunt in real life that Evil Knievel wasn't able to accomplish. So, a little bit of So he did it, but he died? Huh. That's a good question. I'll look that up, too. Thank you. But let me tell you, while we're we're paused here... um, the lo- the record the world record for the longest car jump is held by Tanner Faust. Okay, three hundred thirty two feet. Whoa! Congratulations, Tanner Faust. Yeah. All right, you want to look up Snake River Canyon and yes. Evil Knievel? All right. So basically, uh, this is this is a crazy jump. This is a crazy crazy jump, and they know this, and so they offer Dylan two million dollars if he completes this dangerous stunt. If he fails. Whatever that means, like if he if he doesn't stick the landing, um, if he straight up dies, the payout will be one million, and like go to his next of kin. So, a lot of lot of cheddar on yeah, the table. A lot, lot of, of it. A lot of cheddar on the table for old Dylan McKay. Also, with this, a twelve month spokesperson deal, so Dylan could be like, "Hey, I love Diet Coke," you know, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what he likes. I don't know what he likes. Um, Dylan's in. He's in. And he instantly begins training and doing his test jumps. So, whatever yeah. that means. Just, just, just test jumps. I don't understand, as a driver, Yeah. like, how do you jump farther? I think it's all about, like, do speed and incline. Speed, but why not always go fast and jump far? Yeah. I mean, I'm not... I, I, I would never do it, nor do I know anything about it. It sounds like you're interested in a career, so... <laughs> Anyway, they're kind of out in the sticks, so Dylan has a ride into town. He has a scheduled phone call with Brenda, because he's basically, we're pre-cell phone, everybody. I That was so painfully apparent yeah. in this. Yeah, although what's funny is, uh, this is, so this would be set basically in 2002. We had cell phones in 2002. <laughs> KT Smith. Yeah. You would think these rich, I mean, they're yeah. so rich, like, yeah. why don't they have cell phones Yeah, they, yeah they actually did nothing to imagine, like, the, there's nothing that says, like, we're in the future now. You know, 10 years of the future, but that's okay. Um, okay, so he has a scheduled time with Brenda, so he calls her. Again, she's not happy. She's not happy with Dylan's lifestyle and his... his... This, is again, is something I wouldn't say to right. the group. That Dylan's like, or that yeah. Brenda's a nagging, like, yeah. I don't know why. But she doesn't like that he's unavailable. She can't contact him. She doesn't like the stunts. Um, she wants to come to see the jump, and Dylan's like, no, Bren. Uh, so she doesn't. So Dylan also says hello to Kelly before getting off of the phone. So we have a little Kelly cameo there. Uh, the day of the beget, the day of the the day of the event has huge crowds, yeah. and it's also like flaming hot. So yeah. it's not it's ideal. Like hundred degrees. Not ideal conditions. Um, he's getting a little nervous about this. He's having a little bit of cold feet. He gives Brenda a call, who's anxiously watching back at the I think the Walsh house, although maybe they didn't say specifically. They just. No, I think they okay. didn't really say. Uh, but Kelly and Donna and Brenda are all watching, waiting for Dylan to do his job. Brenda uh, tries to talk him out of this. And this is kind of a low blow, but she she compares him to his father. I couldn't believe she said that. I know. She's saying like... I couldn't believe that he said that she said yeah. 
that she said that. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Wrap my mind around. They don't know. We know they know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Dil- Brenda's basically like, why do you always have to take these risks, just like your father who went to prison? Why would he? <laughs> I don't get it either. She knows how sensitive he is about that. On the But it's ten years later. Maybe he doesn't care. Also, why is she trying to make him upset before he does it's this very weird jump? But also pretty Brenda, if we're <laughs> being honest. It's very on yes, point. We learn that Jack McKay is out of prison. Oh, yes. He's on parole. He's on parole. Um, so they have a little bit of fight, but but they recover that, and he promises that he'll he'll come see her right after the jump. Every time that he talks to her, it talks about his aching loneliness. Yes, yeah, yeah. every time he yeah. picks up the <laughs> He's phone. a very tragic character. <laughs> uh, Dylan begins the jump, and you know what? It's not a good start. No, it's not looking good. Well, it kind of starts good. Yeah, but then it's kind of tapering through. off. Yeah. He's dropping, but he makes it. He does. And guess what? He's happy. He loves this daredevil life. He's so lifestyle. happy. He's and that, two million dollars richer. Yep, that's true. Yeah, he's got two million bucks now. Yeah, jeez, he's good to go. Right, so back at the back at the beach, Brenda is not thrilled with her part in the story, and I don't blame her. Yeah, she's not really there other than to just be a nuisance. Yeah, <laughs> so maybe not great. Yeah. Uh, Brenda, Brenda doesn't want to, and they have they have kind of a little fight about how. Um, you know, he's going to go do these things, and Brenda's basically, he's saying, like, Brenda, you can just be, like, a homemaker. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And she's like, no, I don't want to, like, stay home she's with She's like, kids. it is the 90s. Yes. <laughs> that is I not wish, what we do in the I 90s. I wish the listeners could see that snap you just did, because it was really, it was on point. Uh, now it's Kelly's turn. I... Do you um, want to hear about Evil Knievel? Yes, I do. Tell on? me about okay. Evil Knievel. Yeah. So, Evil Knievel, this, this according to roadsideamerica.com, because there's you. a monument, I guess. Oh. There's a little, like, statue. Okay, that was it. He didn't book. die mm-hmm. in in this. Um, he His parachute malfunctioned and oh. opened on takeoff. Oh, And I so see. he floated to, right. the, to the bottom oh. of, the, of the canyon. Wow. But someone did, did do it. On September 16th, 2016 stuntman Eddie Braun did the jump. Wow. So, well, technically Dylan did it in 2002. Yes. So this guy's yeah. the second. Yeah, but what was his name again? Who's the guy who did it? Um, his name is Eddie Braun. Eddie Braun. Nice work, Eddie. Yeah. Um, I, I did not care for Dylan's. That wasn't... I liked Dylan's. Did you? Okay. I did, I, yeah. So far, Brandon's is the only one that I wanted to read a whole novel of. Yeah. I could I could read Dylan on the road, though. <laughs> I, I could you. read, you hey, know. Hey, where's your Dylan doll, by the way? Is <laughs> oh, it a, it's upstairs. It needs to be in a place it's of honor. It's in my room. Okay, all right. Sitting that on my, uh, my uh, that makes dresser. Sense. Every, yeah. every morning's like, hey, Kendra. <laughs> all right, Kelly's turn. Okay, so we jump to Kelly, who's adjusting clothes on a model and giving orders to Nancy Anderson, who is a tailor. So we don't really know what Kelly's... Nicely giving orders. Yeah, she like, is. She's not like... She's this, not yelling this. at her. It's, it opens very clearly that Kelly is like in charge and has risen to the occasion of being in charge. Yes. So in three days, the store window display is about to change and Kelly wants it perfect. So uh, she's she's very, very meticulous about this. Uh, she cares about this quite a lot. So let's see. She, she feels like everything's under control. Nancy's on the alterations need to make. She picks up her briefcase. So that tells us she's very important. <laughs> yes. And heads up to the office. We learn that business is good at the TaylorMade store. I love that, that name. TaylorMade. I think that Kelly is Taylor. such a good name. Kelly Taylor. I love it. Uh, so back at the office, she's greeted by her secretary, Marie, and she makes the way to Barb, her right-hand man. Uh, 
Amongst her stack of messages on her desk, because again, very busy. Mm-hmm. Kelly's very busy. She's so busy. Uh, is one from her ex, Kyle. What's this guy's last name? Le- Kyle. Le- Le- Kyle LeMay. Kyle LeMay. LeMay. Uh, from LeMay Designs. So she's like, oh, what's he want? Because they had a fling. Yes. Uh, she returns a four the year call. A four-year fling. You're right. I should <laughs> I shouldn't minimize Kyle LeMay's uh, role in her life. Um, anyway, uh, she returns the call, and she learns that Kyle is wanting Kelly to use his fashion designs in the front window. So Kyle's making the clothes. Sally's, Kelly's selling things. She doesn't want to use his designs, and nope. Kyle's trying to, like, worm his way in there. Yeah. Now, I think he's portrayed as a relatively nice guy in this overall, wouldn't you say? Kind of a... Sleets? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, all right. A little bit. Um, and they sort of compromise. Kelly says that she's happy to sell his designs in the store, but they're not going in the window. Right. Which I think is fair. It's fair. You know. Yeah. Uh, Barb reminds Kelly about her meeting with a reporter from the Times about her Businesswoman of the Year Award. Of the Year. Pretty prestigious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so so Kelly, Kelly remembers... She kind of, she reminisces a little bit just with herself about thinking how far she's come, about reminding, or about seeing this empty storefront. Uh, And uh, she also, uh, she sees this empty storefront and is like, this is going to be my store. And that's kind of how it begins. Her idea for a store is not groundbreaking in any way. But But it does, it does um, really expand. They have locations in New York, Palm Beach, and London. Yeah. So pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. She gets a call from... Brenda Walsh. Oh, Brenda. Yeah. I was like, wait, who? Brenda has an audition with, and this cracked me up. Do you remember who her audition is with? Is it Scorsese? Martin Scorsese (laughs) is seeing Brenda. Uh, Dylan's Dylan's out of town, because I think apparently they're together in this. Um, And she wants to get together with Kelly and Donna. Brenda's trying to get an old school, like, let's hang out together. Um, Kelly's going to try to finish in time. But she can't promise he's going to meet them. And Brenda's not very cool about no. Kelly being busy. We also learned that Mel Gibson might be in the movie with Brenda. I, so that's... I, yeah, she was like, and Mel maybe... might be in it. And I was like, oh. I guess in 2002, Mel Gibson maybe had some juice. We knew less maybe. about Mel Gibson. Yeah, that's so. true. We knew less. Uh, anyway. So... Uh, as she starts to leave to meet this reporter, she discovers an office full of roses. Yes. And we have an apology from Kyle, who apparently works fast. It's so she, fast. Because she's got a whole office He's, full of she, roses. He hung up and was like, I need Give me to a thousand me. roses now! <laughs> uh, she's not going to change her mind. She sticks with it. So she goes and sits down with this reporter, who at first is is very impressed with her success, but then it's pretty clear that this reporter is just kind of looking for dirt about is her and Kyle. Is this the Times reporter? The Times they... reporter. Okay. Trying to trying to get dirt about her and Kyle. Yes. And Kelly's really not about that. But we learned that they had four years together. Uh, but it just their careers just got to be too much. And yeah. So it just sort of fizzled out. So back at the store, the flowers that Kelly ordered for the window are in rough shape. They're not looking good. So Kelly's not thrilled. She ends up having to handle this. Um, and then she remembers her interview with uh, Entertainment Update. Update, yeah. Entertainment Update. So she's got to go for that. Um now she's receiving more flowers. This is a very flower-heavy story. It is, yeah. Uh, she receives flowers from a celebrity attorney. Uh, what is his name? Ryan Anderson? Yeah. And she's yeah. going she's gonna to call him back later. Yes. Which is kind of a... Okay. I don't know why that's in there, but all right. Um, because people know her and yes, send her flowers. Yes, because she's important. Hot guys are sending her flowers. Yes. So she settles in for her interview with Diana Hobart at, for Entertainment Update. And during the interview, it comes out that Taylor Maid would have folded early if Brenda, Brenda, 
hadn't come in and bought a whole new wardrobe yeah. and basically like sp- used her acting mojo to make Kelly's store popular. Yeah. So that's, I mean, for Kelly's fantasy to involve Brenda bailing her out, yes. it's like, that's a big deal. Yeah. But anyway, so, so Brenda basically saves the day in Kelly's fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really know why Diana is so aggressive towards Kelly. Yeah. But she is. Like, it just the, seems like she's a jerk. The interview is not going well. No. And, and Diana, I think, is trying to get sort of tabloidy stories out of Kelly. And it's yeah. just, it's not happening. Uh, and, and she basically tells her off. Kelly tells Kelly, her off. Kelly, yeah. Insults her bad clothing. <laughs> and is like, this interview is over. Yeah. And so she goes back to her office, chills, Calls up Ryan Anderson, sets a date yeah. for them to date. Yeah. The end. Date to, a date, date to date. date. Yeah. Um, I like this one a lot. I liked this one too. It was flower heavy <laughs> and interview heavy. Yeah. And uh, man heavy. But I still, I like this one. I, I was, did too. I thought they did a really, I thought it was very believable. I, like, yes. Even, even Kelly where she's at now, I could totally see this happening. I think, I, she, yeah. I think, I think really if she's sense. doing something that she is knows what she's doing and she's passionate about she could totally yeah. be in charge I agree. and you know know what she's doing so i thought this one was pretty successful Agreed. um back at the beach uh steve is basically jealous of ryan who's an imaginary character yeah so which tracks <laughs> which right. tracks yeah um david asked why steve and kelly broke up which is actually a question that hasn't really been answered so i don't yeah, know i would true. have liked to have heard it um but Steve, in a callback to the pilot, says that he should have killed David when he crashed his yes, car. Yes, they did so, call back to the pilot. All the way back there. to the pilot. So that was cool. Um, and then we transition into Steve's. And I'm going to just say right now, I find Steve's a little bananas. It's, <laughs> it takes, yeah, it takes it, a couple turns. It goes, anyway, <laughs> let's talk Steve. Uh, Steve's had a, having a flirty conversation with one of his PR clients. Uh, she's hoping Steve can help her shed the image she has of the character she plays. I wonder if this is if it's a little like subtle joke about Shannon Doherty because everything that this Cassie is going through really sounds a lot like <laughs> Shannon Doherty and Cassie's daughter. Do you remember what Cassie's daughter is? Shannon is named Shannon. Yes, so I, I I remember I'm that a name. Little suspicious, that but anyway, stuck out to me. Cassie is talking to Steve, who is her, her like basically her PR guy, um, trying to shed the image of this bratty character that she plays. Uh, Cassie <laughs> says that her daughter Shannon is being affected by it too because people are thinking that her mom is this bratty TV right, character. Yeah. Um. And so Steve, Steve's impressed after the conversation. He's kind of impressed with himself that he didn't flirt with her more. Like he's like, "Wow, I'm professional." Which, I feel like he flirted with her a lot. Actually, he did flirt with her quite a bit. But according to him, he's pretty happy about it. So, so Steve wants to go home. He'd rather just like call it a night. Mm-hmm. But he's got this business dinner with clients. So John Peterson of Peterson Productions needs a PR boost. So he kind of corners Steve at this party. is trying to talk about, like, how are we going to raise my stock, basically. Um, at the party, Steve runs into Courtney Nelson, an old acquaintance. They never dated, and Steve regrets it. Yeah. He regrets it. <laughs> uh, Courtney's hoping for a role in an upcoming Peterson production, so Steve introduces her to John Peterson. And they, they start talking. So John comes to find Steve and tells him that he has an important call. And well, remember though, he was kissing Courtney. Yes. When John came up. Yes, that's he true. He just like yes. started kissing her. Yes, they have this, a kiss in the middle of this party. They're rekindling. Yep. Uh, so John's like, "Hey, you have an important call." And so um, 
Steve goes to take this very important call and leaves John with Courtney. Uh, Steve is told there's an emergency at the center. The center. And I was so confused. I was like, is that the name of his company? The center. Okay. Um, So he makes his apologies and he promises to call Courtney and he's out of there. He tears right out. Then he arrives. <laughs> he arrives at the Sanders Center for Disadvantaged Children. When I read that title, all I could think of was the Zoolander. Yeah, yes. The, the what is it? The I, I don't Derek remember. Zoolander yeah. Center for Children Who Don't Read Good or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I could think yep. of. So Steve arrives at the Sanders Center for Disadvantaged Children. Uh, Jane comes out and informs Steve that Jake is. Uh, missing and he's a he's a three-year-old right three-year-old i think he was four four okay three four uh this kid is missing and they basically they've searched the buildings the grounds they've called the police uh then they then they remember a little too late that there was a whole thing with this kid and his blanket that he didn't he didn't want to have it washed and so they're like aha to the laundry so they run to the laundry room and they find the kid wrapped up in the blanket in, in the laundry basket which is very cute uh so Steve says that <laughs> all, all you get is this line that says four years and 112 kids later. Yeah. So this has been a very successful enterprise. Yeah. Here. Uh, Steve goes to check on Jake and that's all we get. <laughs> Isn't that one crazy? In his wildest fantasy, he has a home for, he has a for P- children. He has a PR firm. Yeah. It also runs a home for disadvantaged children. Yeah. He's like a Daddy Warbucks kind of yeah. thing going on. And I feel like I feel like maybe if they would have tied in something about like, ha, 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 give it some sort of like a relation to adoption, yeah. you know, because of his, his like his big reaction to finding out he was yeah. adopted. Like that would play if it was some sort of yeah, home for. Yeah, he kind of says like. He says that he felt really alone when he was growing right. up, and that's kind of why he did yeah. it. But I don't know why they wouldn't mention his adoptiveness. It seems adoptiveness. fairly obvious, yeah, but they don't. So it's just kind of a weird thing. But again, it's the character's fantasy. So the it, fact that he's saying he's yeah. a super successful businessman, making yeah. out with ladies at parties, and then like helping kids, it does taking, make sense. Taking four-year-old Jake to a baseball game. In some ways, I found this to be maybe the worst one, just because it... Uh, I don't think it's my least favorite. Okay. I don't think it's my least favorite. Favorite, but back at the beach, the gang is uh, also sick of the Kelly Steve stuff, which is great. Yeah, they're like voicing what we've been saying. It's enough. Um, Donna is nervous to go, but Brandon talks her into it. Remember when Brandon just like bear hugged her and kissed her on the face in the last episode? Yes, weird because they're good friends, Mm -hmm. they're close. Donna begins on the phone with Kelly, telling Kelly that she needs her back to sign papers. Kelly is still in France, uh, having. She stuck around after she opened the tailor-made Paris branch. I like branch. The, that she connected yeah. those. So, so now we've got to... And I this made me sort of wish, like, well, couldn't they all just be connected? Yeah. Well, a couple of them were, because I think in... in oh, well, in Kelly's, yeah. Brenda is a, yeah. a famous actress. Yeah, that's true. So that kind of connects. Yeah, that's true. that's true. That gels a little bit. Anyway, so Donna is the... CFO, the chief financial officer. This is what I find difficult to believe, given what we know of Donna yeah. so far. I she's have, good with numbers, apparently. Apparently, I don't. This one I didn't really understand. She's overcome but, her learning disability. I guess. Yeah. That right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which absolutely you can do. I just think it's a weird. Uh, 
this is I would not have said what's Donna gonna do probably be a chief financial officer yeah, for a no. major company no. it's crazy anyway uh, her assistant May brings her the New York sales figures and she knows not to disturb her because Donna is in the zone in the zone auto zone <laughs> <laughs> um, Donna meets Brenda for lunch yeah basically to complain about Kelly yes which again this is a story she is telling to Kelly and the yes! others so it's a weird thing to do but um. We learned that Donna went to Wharton, where she got her degree, so she could be the chief financial officer. I've never heard of Wharton. Is oh, that it's, a real yeah, school? it's real. Okay. Uh, Brenda's basically playing the peacekeeper. Yeah. She's saying like, "This is Kelly. This is your relationship. You know, like this. This is how you guys work together. Don't worry about it. Trying to sort of, um, you know, just calm things down." Uh, she's also telling her to go go on a date. Go on a date. Go yes. get laid. That's yes. what she's trying to. <laughs> well, yes. Do. Kelly's in Paris with a guy, and Brenda thinks that Donna should be dating too. Yeah. Uh, but go get laid, as, yeah. as Kendra <laughs> so elegantly put it. <laughs> Donna mentions there's a good-looking investor, and Brenda says, "Go for it, baby." And then they eat baby? cheese. Then they eat cheesecake like the Golden Girls. Oh, yes. You don't like cheesecake, or you oh, do? I love cheesecake. Oh, okay. I want cheesecake really bad right now. <laughs> back actually, at the, back at the office, Donna still hasn't heard from Kelly, and she's getting ticked off. At this point, she's pretty mad. Again, Kelly's listening to this story. Just want to point that out. Maybe Kelly's in a Taken situation. She doesn't know. Maybe. She's in Paris. Yes. Uh, Anyway, she returns a call from hunky Jonathan Rosenfeld, and they set up a date for that night. Uh, Donna goes down to the sales floor where Brie helps her find a great outfit because Donna's one of those work all the time, doesn't have cool clothes, doesn't, you know, so Brie helps her. It's not not Donna I know, it's crazy. Not Donna at all. Brie helps her find some clothes right off the rack here and then uh, Donna goes home to to get dressed. So she's having a relaxing uh, soak in the tub when Jonathan calls her and asks if he can pick her up in 20 minutes. 20 minutes. So we have a classic zany Donna has to get dressed in a big hurry (laughs) montage in book form. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Jonathan arrives and let's see he makes coffee she makes coffee for him while she finishes getting ready Uh, he admires a photo of Donna Kelly and Brenda so they're still tight we learn that Donna got her MBA in college so master's in business and she vents her frustration with Kelly which I don't think is uh, very appropriate when you're talking to an investor no Uh, not good but um, he responds by offering her a job senior VP at his firm yeah uh, so Donna is offended. So offended. Offended by this and lets him know. And I sort of think because there was a bit of an implied like, and there'll be benefits. Yeah. Sexy benefits. Oh, you think that's why? Okay. But he wasn't, he wasn't overt, but maybe no. that's what she picked up. No. I don't know. I don't know. But she's very offended. Uh, she prioritizes loyalty and friendship over money and she walks out on him. Yeah. Scene. Scene. Did you like that one? This was my least favorite one. I this think. was, yeah, yeah, it's right up there. It's the most unbelievable. And I also have a lot of trouble picturing Donna imagining this for herself. Yeah, and there was just a lot of like talking about the end of the quarter and yeah, paperwork. I know, and I know. It was like it was watching the Star Wars yeah. prequels. But it, the thing is, it's like, it's kind of a commentary on Donna's character up to this point, yeah. where she only serves to further Kelly's story. Yeah. So true. it actually, I thought it was kind of funny in that yeah. regard. But um, back at the beach. Uh, Kelly is miffed that, that one, that Donna stole her fantasy, yeah. one, and that Kelly is portrayed as the villain of the fantasy that Donna stole. Well, Brenda is skeptical about whether Kelly or Donna, either one, has the drive to accomplish that, which I thought was a little like, okay, Brenda. 
Um, Let's chill. Let's chill. Andrea, who remains annoyed with Brandon, uh, is... Oh, I'm sorry. It's Brandon. It's Brandon who says that they don't have the drive. Oh, and is it? Okay. Yes. And Andrea, who's already been ticked off at Brandon, this just... Yeah. This sets her into a, a fugue state. Shut basically. up, Brandon! Uh, so Dylan notices, and Brandon says that everything he does ticks her off lately, and he doesn't understand yeah. why. And it's like, well... You kind of, well, whatever. You dumb. Yeah, you dumb. And then David begins, because David's here, because he's a part of this. David's part of this. He's a part of it. Um, He's on stage, waiting for the applause to die down. He's loving the moment, but is missing the man who believed in him from the start. And now we flash back. Back, in time. Which is confusing. It is. It was confusing. Okay, so, so... We jump back in time, and David is a production assistant on a B-grade horror film called Deadly Demons. Do you like that title? No. Okay. Deadly Demons. Um, But David is at least excited to work with Ben Degar, who's a legend in the industry, uh, 40 years in the business, one of David's heroes. So that's that's a fun thing for him to be able to do. Yeah, that's fun. Um, David's one of the first to arrive on the set and is just sort of exploring when he wanders into this room full of unproduced scripts. And he just, like a magnet, goes (laughs) to one that he loves... Uh, it's called Final Fade Out. I like that title. Yeah. Uh, it's the final. <laughs> so he brings the script to Ben, who promises to look it over. Uh, there's no writing credit on it, which I don't recall if that's resolved or not. But mm. anyway. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't they, know. They get to work on Deadly Demons, blah, blah, blah. We cut to several years later. David has worked on five movies. And Final Fade Out is successfully in production. So his career Huzzah. has really, he's gained some momentum. Uh, turns out David is smooth. And he manages to sweet talk a lot of people. The executive producer, uh, very successful actor uh, named Jennifer Allens, gets her to star in it for half her normal rate. Um, and now we jump again. Uh, David and Jennifer are now a couple. hey And the movie is out and people are loving it. Uh, David's up to win Best Director. Uh, Jennifer and David make out in the limo because it's David's fantasy. Of course. They make out in the limo and she tells him to play it cool at the Oscars. So He's it's, good at playing it cool. I know. She's up for best actress and guess what? She wins. Hello. Jennifer wins for her performance in Final Fade Out. She thanks David and everybody's thrilled. And now they announce best director and who should win? David. Young David, David. Silver. David. Uh, de- David dedicates it to Ben. Now we're back at where we started. He dedicates it to Ben who died three months after production wrap. So he didn't really... I know he didn't really get to see the fruits of it. So Uh, He also thanks the gang by name, but specifically omits Andrea and Scott. (laughs) I mean, Scott's at least not there, but Andrea's right there. And he's like, I want to thank all of you, not you, but all the rest of you. (laughs) Back at the beach, uh, Donna swoons over David's story. She's very like, oh, David. (laughs) David. And finally, we get to Andrea, Andrea finally. who kind of set this whole thing up, but also doesn't really want to do it. So yeah. it's a little confusing. It's kind of like in the sleepover episode when they're all like, Kelly, tell us about your life. But yeah. We don't want to yeah. say We're not anything. Tell, yeah. uh, all right. So we learned that Andrea went to Yale, which is not surprising. Not surprising at all. Um, and we also learned that she's not really getting along with her boss, Ron Ravello. They're not they're not really gelling. They used to work well together, but we learned that Andrea has won a Pulitzer Prize. And since then, Ron's been a little jealous. <laughs> Jelly on the bread. One might say. Uh, so Andrea's meeting with some publishers regarding an article series um, 
called Running Scared. She's reading these articles called Running Scared, and there's kind of a bidding war over who's gonna who's gonna publish the book. So she meets with Jeff for dinner, and Jennifer Reese is there as well, who's an editor. And they begin talking about Andrea's career, which mostly consists of newspaper work. So she hasn't done a lot of books and things. It's just her newspaper work. Um, her articles are about stalking. And this is what is so strange to me. Uh, she goes on to say that one of her best friends in high school was stalked for years. And it, it keeps, it keeps, she keeps getting these calls. This was her roommate. She was stalked for years. Um, the calls kept going on. Uh, they kind of stop, then the friend gets married, and then the calls resumed. Uh, the caller is claiming that the children are, uh, the stalker is claiming that these children that this woman has are his children. Um, and it's just, I'm very confused by this. Because, write that book. Because this doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't happened. So, I I mean, I guess she's imagining, like, her next year of high school that she's going to befriend someone who was stalked. But it's a weird thing to say. I don't know why you'd specifically say high school. Like, yeah. why would you give it a specific? Yeah. So I was really confused. I'm like, am I forgetting something? Was there a stalking plot line? But no. No. I mean, David kind of stalks Kelly. That's true. Yeah, it's about <laughs> David. So obviously, uh, Jennifer and Jeff are completely enthralled in this story. They want the book. And Andrea is impressed that they actually seem to know her work. So uh, she's, I mean, she wants it taken seriously. She's had lots of offers. And she really is trying to find somebody who's going to... Um, not just do a cash grab, who really wants to, like, publish a good book. So the meeting is going very well. Then who should walk in? Brandon. Brandon Walsh. That's correct. Uh, they lock eyes, and frankly, it's electric. <laughs> in a word. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon approaches the table, and they chat. And Jeff and Jennifer suggest that he join them, but he asks to speak with Andrea alone. Uh, so Brandon basically wants to whisk her away. He's always wanted to, and he just never did. Now's the time. So he wants to whisk her away. Uh, she swept off her feet. <laughs> no two words about it. I mean, she's she's in. Uh, she runs back in with Jeff and Jennifer and is like, uh, Mama gotta go. And <laughs> she smacks into a waiter on her way out. Gotta go get laid. She says goodbye. <laughs> she and Brandon kiss and run off into the sunset. So, I mean, at this point, it's like, you know, I was like, well, why would she be saying this? Like, yeah. Why is she saying this out yeah. loud? Back at the beach... The gang is enthralled, and they want to know who the guy was. Oh, because yes. in her telling there, she omits the name. Right. So they don't know that she's talking about Brandon. Um, but So she sort of demurs and is like, yeah, I don't know. But then she describes him, and it's exactly... She just describes Brandon exactly. And everybody gets it except for... Brandon. Brandon. Of course. Correct. Because he's dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's it. We've got our epilogue where the gang vows to meet up 10 years and compare their lives to the fantasy they just laid out. It's like, uh, what hot American summer. The end. <laughs> the end. Okay. Oh uh, do you have a 90210 snap for this? Uh, I don't know if I have, I mean, I guess Dylan jumping over the, yeah. the thing. I kind of was like, is he going to die? Yeah. Is he like talking about how he dies? That would play out. In 10 years? I think maybe my 90210 snap would be the Sanders Center for Disadvantaged oh, yeah. Children. Okay. It's just such a like, I needed. 180. The yeah. center. You <laughs> the know. children need yeah, me. So that's, prob that's probably it for me. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good one. Kendra, so you, you've read, I read a couple of the Mel Gilded novelizations. You've read I some. I read one, yeah. Um, how do you think this compared? Do, do, do you like this as a book? I loved this book. You did? I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I was like, give me more really? books like this. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's basically like fan fiction. Yeah. 
So I don't know. I could have read. Thought... I could have read more of the Brandon stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just I really enjoyed it. What's your favorite? I don't know. I really like Brandon's. Yeah. I feel like that was a really I agree. strong one. I agree. Um, and I, I did really like Dylan's. You yeah. Did, you didn't like that well, one. Well, it's but... just so goofy, yeah. I guess. It just seems like yeah. very outlandish. I liked but... it, though. Uh, yeah, I think Brandon's was the strongest. I think Brandon's and Kelly's would be the ones that I could see developing into a full novel. Yeah. So if you'd like to do that, sure. I'd be happy to read I'm it. I'm on it. Okay. I'm going to do it. Uh, the weak ones for me... In a way, Andrea's because of the weird, like, stalker plot line, which doesn't make any sense. But yeah. outside of that, I thought that was good. But um, I probably agree with you that Donna's is maybe the least creative. Yeah. Steve's is probably the most, like, what? Yeah. Because it's it has weird. no cohesion through yeah. it at all. It's a no. huge twist or a huge shift. Though I could um, see him being a PR person. Yeah. Like, that, that's, uh, yeah. that tracks. I mean, they all, they all make sense to me. I, I mean, I sort of understand. Dylan being a being a stunt driver, but it also seems like a very um, look it's at me. It's a reckless career. It is, but you know, but it's not like a it's not like a solitary reckless career. It's like yeah. a showman. He's like the yeah. point is to like dazzle people, and that's I guess where I have trouble seeing Dylan wanting to be like the center of attention and yeah. that sort of thing. So that's that's fair. That was a little odd. Um, you know, I thought it was really well written. Yeah, for it is, like it is. not knowing who this author is yeah. and who actually wrote it, like I felt like it wasn't like cookie cutter. Yeah, like they actually were telling a story I agree. in each one. I agree, and I think a lot of the trajectories do make sense from where we are in the series. You know, like I think the whole thing with with Brenda Dylan and they're like kind of on and on yeah. and off again relationship. Um, I think the reference to the pilot was good. Yeah. It actually sort of gives you a little bit more with the Brandon Andrea than we've been getting in the episodes. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I thought it was really well done. I, I agree. I'm surprised that you loved it. I, I didn't expect I did. you to say that. I but. was reading it and I was like, man, this is good. I know. I could, I could, uh, definitely use more of this. Mm-hmm. I don't think I would have loved it had we not been watching it like yeah. we are. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you could just pick this up oh, no. and read it. No, probably you, not. I mean, the, I guess if you're very familiar with the, the series. The love of and, the characters, I yeah. think, is what. Yeah. It, well, so. and it's handled. I mean, just like with with Mel Gildan's novelizations. I mean, you can tell that he really took care to get those characters yeah. right, and I think that this author yeah. did that as well. You know, yeah. made, made sure that the characters were on point, and that's that's cool. I, it's weird to me that they would commission one original novel. Yeah. I don't. I'm. Maybe, I, I assume. I well, I don't know. I mean, Mel Gildan said it's kind of a. Um, here's the price. Write these novels, sort of right, thing. Yeah. So it seems like it would be the same whether you're. I don't know. Maybe the maybe it's just cheaper. Maybe it's just cheaper to produce novelizations, and they decided to go that route. I don't maybe. know, but it is know. kind of a weird little curio. This this uh, picture of them yeah. is so serious. It is. It's very cover. serious. D- David especially and yeah. Steve, mm-hmm. their faces yep. make me laugh. Yeah, we'll we'll post this on Twitter so yeah. everyone can see. Uh, all right, so you think you, you're a fan? You I think did. I really up. liked it. It sits well. I didn't realize that it takes place ex- like a few weeks ago. I was thinking about this, and I looked at where it was, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, we're right there!" <laughs> you know, so it was now's the time. Perfect timing because it actually really kind of is in the hole that we're in right now. Yeah. So good timing on that. Uh, it is available out there. I, I checked in uh, WorldCat, which means uh, li- libraries do have it, so you could probably. Uh, find find an expensive copy online, or go to your local library and request it. How expensive it. is it online? Did you? It's look? not crazy. I mean, I mean, you know, it's probably like ten, fifteen, twenty, oh, okay. like that range. It's not like a hundred or something. Yeah, okay. But, you know, uh, but, but, you but could, more expensive than the thrift store buy. Yeah, but this was fifty cents. I want to say so. <laughs> so thanks there. Um, 
Yeah, I, I definitely think it's worth a read if you're a fan of the series. It's a, it's a brisk 184 pages. Uh, it handles the characters well, and, it, and Kendra loves it. I did. So I loved it. I think it's just a lot I of fun. I wish there was more. Well, there isn't. <laughs> so, but there are more episodes. That's true. There are more episodes. We're going to so watch some more. Join us next week as we continue our Nano to a No discussion with episodes 2.8, Wildfire. I remember this episode very well. <laughs> okay. And 2.9, Ashes to Ashes. Uh, outside of this podcast, you can find me over on the All the Books show, soundcloud.com slash all the books, or anywhere you get your podcast. We've done some cool author interviews lately. We just did a Star Trek The Next Generation spotlight. Yes, I can't believe of... you didn't have me on for that. You? I love Next Gen. You've only seen the first three and a half seasons. <laughs> I think I've seen four seasons. Well, okay, sorry. Thank you. Sorry. I yeah. know enough to talk right. about You're right. it. But yeah, on the All the Books show, we did that. We also did a whole deep dive into The Witcher. Uh, a lot of cool things happening over there. I so really enjoyed uh, The Witcher episode. You like The Witcher yeah, episode? Yeah, I did. That's nice. That's yeah. nice. You can find Kendra's Crafts over on Etsy. What's it called? Miss Music Box Crafts. Do you have your 90210 merch yet? No, not yet. Okay. But uh, I have a cricket machine now. Yes. The possibilities are endless. Nothing is going to stop you. <laughs> All right. We're going to get back into the school year here with uh, with these episodes. Now the, uh, the regular season picks up. And outside of that, there's only one thing left to say. 90210. 90210 here we go. Here we go.